This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. It's a joy to be with you today. On the Santita Jackson Show, uh, we're going to be talking about two topics here at WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Uh, have you heard of euthanasia? They call it dying with dignity, where you're allowed to uh, have a medically assisted suicide, if you will, and people do that when they have these painful, painful diseases uh, for which there is no cure. And, um, well, in Canada, something very interesting and tragic, quite frankly, is happening. Uh, They have opened the door for people who are poor, for people who are homeless, for people who are mentally ill to ask for a medically assisted suicide. They are also um, trying to convince people who have been amputees, who've been veterans, who are veterans. Uh, Well, you know, your life is going to be... Not optimal, so have you thought about medically assisted suicide? True story. I'm going to be talking about that at the bottom of the hour. You've got to be very, very careful when we are on these slippery slopes, Pastor Stephen Thurston, uh, because instead of celebrating 8 billion people on Earth, many people bit their nails about it and said, wait a minute, huh, huh. it's too many people on Earth. No, 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 they're too, they're too, some greedy people who are taking up all the resources. My pastor, Reverend Clay Evans, said, I've never seen God make a mouth that God couldn't feed. There is more than enough on this earth to feed and take care of everybody. Some people are just gobbling up everything that they can, and we're all paying the price for it, and you ought to be tired of it. Then, you know, we have got to talk about, um, well, you know, it's, it's politics. It's politics, everybody. And we have got to be looking at Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. I have noticed that a lot of people are wondering, how could you exchange this basketball player for... Uh, and leave this veteran behind. Well, I told you last week as I bumped into this BBC report, his issue is a little bit more complex, a lot more complex. Cannabis, and then you contrast and compare it with a man who's got four different passports, Canadian, American, uh, British, and Irish. Now, his family, have they've made that trek inside of maybe a generation or two, But that's a lot. He was dishonorably discharged from the Marines, and yet he's had this very, very successful career in the corporate world. It's complex, everybody. So the question is, who is he, and um, is it a fair exchange? Talk to me. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Let me know what your thoughts are about this. Let me know what your thoughts are about Paul Whelan. And Brittany Griner, because some people are really, really upset. You know, how can you take this basketball player? Well, first of all, you know, justice and mercy. Uh, she inadvertently broke a law, and um, mercifully, she's been let go. And that's that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. She was not held captive, prisoner, but she broke a law, and these people don't play that. And she did not know what she had in her bag. That can happen. And so, um, and thankfully she's home and she's beginning to adjust to life with her wife and with her family. Praise God for that. But who is Paul Whelan, the man uh, who is still in Russia? 
who's still in Russia. And um, and what about his background? Does that give you cause to pause? Call, call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT, and let me know your thoughts, right? Let me, I want to hear... <laughs> I want to hear from you. I want to hear what your thoughts are. Everybody is going to have, we're going to have a high of 42 degrees today here in Chicago, but it will be cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 36 degrees, and it will be rainy. In the NFL, the Patriots bested the Cardinals last night, 27 to 13. In the NBA, the 12 Trailblazers won 33. The Timberwolves won 12. And the Knicks will be meeting the Bulls tomorrow. In the NHL, the Wild 2, the Oilers 1, and the Capitals will be meeting Chicago in Chicago tonight. Oh, the World Cup war. We're down, down, we're down to the four. Argentina, Croatia, France, and Morocco. France and Morocco will be playing tomorrow. Of course, Morocco is the first African team to make the quarterfinals, and Argentina will be playing Croatia today, this afternoon. So check it out, everybody. This is the world's most popular sport. Billions upon billions of people are paying attention to this all over the world. Yay, 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 yay. For the first time, U.S. scientists have successfully produced a nuclear fusion reaction resulting in a net energy gain, a source familiar with the project confirmed to CNN. The discovery would be a massive step in a decades-long quest for a new form of clean energy. Researchers have attempted for decades to recreate nuclear fusion. The result, when two or more atoms are fused into a larger one, a process that generates a massive amount of energy, uh, such as heat. Wow, that is great, 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 great news. We'll see how it all works out, everybody. About 15 million people in a dozen states are under winter weather alerts today as a massive coast-to-coast storm continues to head east. Mississippi, California, just every state in between is getting a hit. In the Midwest, we are in, in the upper Midwest, they're getting hit stupid. Right here in Chicago and Minneapolis, it's rain, it's cloudy. Thank heavens, because they got feet and feet upon snow in the in the in the areas where you ski in 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 California. But still, it was just massive amounts of snow, massive amounts. Congratulations to our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters. President Joe Biden today will sign into law a bill passed last week by Congress that mandates federal recognition for same sex and interracial marriages. Sending a special shout out to Don Lemon. He and his fiance, um, they have an interracial marriage that will be uh, once they marry. And um, of course, they are um, a same sex couple. They will be at the White House today when this is signed into law. Of course, they don't want to miss that bit of history. And a lot of people will be there. God bless them all. They're planning to mark the occasion at the White House with a ceremony built to scale that it believes is fitting for the moment. God bless him. I wonder if Clarence Thomas and his wife will be there. What do you think, Pastor Thurston? Uh, uh, okay. No, I'm not being petty. I'm just, you know, keeping it 100. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just keeping it 100. You know, I never said I didn't have snark. But check this out. Hundreds of Oath Keepers said they were or are employed by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, according to a report. You know, isn't that interesting? All of these right-wingers, and I guess that's why the FBI doesn't investigate them, because they would have to investigate themselves. Well, there you go. Pastor Stephen Thurston. (laughs) Am I not telling the truth? You're speaking truth right now. Uh, Okay. 
Oh, oh, come on, come on, holy man. Give me some good news. I'm just saying. You know, while you're looking at me and tell, telling me that I'm not being nice, I'm like, but I'm telling the truth, Pastor. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Okay, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I thought of that. Okay. What's the good news? And today you'll be on Facebook. Will you be on Facebook today? or will? Because I know you're traveling. Yes, yes. I'm going to make time. Uh, 3 p.m. I will be on Facebook Live. Okay, and how can we find you on Facebook? Go to my page, Stephen. That's Stephen with the PH, Stephen Thurston. You'll find my picture there, and you'll see me live and in person at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, you know we need good news from you before you get on this plane today. Give it to us, and give it to us good. Listen, I believe that one of our strongest desires in life is to feel understood. We want to know that people see our good intentions and not only get where we're coming from, but get us. We want to know that they see us, that they recognize the thoughts, feelings, and struggles that underline our choices, and that they not only empathize, but maybe even relate. And maybe they do the same thing if they were in our shoes. Maybe if they've been where we've been, they've seen what we've seen, if they stand right where we are now, with the same circumstances, with the same beliefs, making the same choices. And underneath all of these maybes is the desire to feel validated. Mm-hmm. We're social creatures, and we thrive when we feel a sense of belonging. And that requires, though, a certain sense of safety, which hinges upon feeling valued and accepted. But those feelings don't always come easy. Maybe you're in a relationship right now that feels incredibly unsafe. You don't feel understood or validated or worse. You don't have a sense that the other person even cares to understand you. Maybe the other person often assumes the worst of you and interprets things you do through that lens. Maybe they belittle you, your beliefs, your opinions, as if they want neither consideration nor respect. Maybe they even make fun of you when you try to share your thoughts and feelings. Minimizing not only your perspective, but also your personhood. Like you have no value. Like you aren't worth hearing out. Like you don't deserve respect. I get it. It hurts. It hurts to feel like someone doesn't care to see where you're coming from or hear what you have to say. It hurts to feel like someone is more committed to misunderstanding you than developing any sense of common ground. It hurts to feel invalidated. You fight, you scream, you cry, trying to force them to see your basic goodness and view the world from your vantage point. We often take that pain and we turn it, and we turn it into anger, Santita. Our thought process tells us that people should try to understand. People should treat each other with respect. People should be kind and loving and open. But here's the thing that I've learned. Should is always a trap. Things will never be exactly as we think they should be, and resisting this only causes us pain. But more importantly, there's nothing more empowering than trying to force other people to be who we think they should be. And that's understanding of the person who wouldn't or maybe couldn't understand us. Perhaps when someone seems unwilling to embrace us with understanding, it's more so that they're unable to let us in for reasons we might not even know. Uh, what pain could have hardened their hearts so dramatically? But unresolved traumas may have likely led to deep feelings of shame around vulnerability. 
it's like they cemented into them a need to always be or appear to be strong. Sure, it hurts to feel that someone doesn't understand you, but can you imagine the pain of rarely understanding anyone because letting someone into your heart actually hurts? Can you imagine living life so guarded, so scared, constantly hiding and possibly without even realizing it? I've come today to understand that when someone won't make any effort to understand us, what it usually comes down to is deep pain that's blocking them from love. Maybe we remind them of something that they want to forget. Maybe our presence forces them to come face to face with something they'd rather avoid. Everyone has secret pains, sequestered in shame, and often manifest in hurtful behaviors because pain can bring out the worst in us. Consider considering this. That doesn't justify disrespect and mistreatment of any kind. It doesn't condone abuse. But if we really want to understand, maybe the key is to choose understanding. <laughs> Let me say it again. If we really want to understand, maybe the key is to choose understanding. Maybe the secret is to broaden our perspective beyond what would make us feel safe in a moment so that we can, can do our part to help create a, a greater sense of safety for everyone that we encounter. Maybe choosing to offer understanding, we can influence the people around us to heal their pains so that they can one day open up their heart a little wider when they're ready and when they feel safe. Listen, I think, I think this can be difficult at times. Uh, it, it won't always be an easy process. But we can choose to choose to understand that people won't understand us and get to the deep reasons why they may not understand us. Listen, coming from a place of love and kindness and integrity with all people, that's a strong foundation for navigating a world full of hurt people who aren't ready and always able to love and be loved. The good news is we can understand that others don't understand and move from a place of care and compassion as we encounter them. Amen to that. I'm dealing with that right now with someone who I love, who just doesn't even want to understand. <laughs> but you know what? Materially, that can't change my life. That's I'm right. The one who's, my father said, no, well, your challenge is to elevate. I'm like, okay. That's it. Yes. He said, he said that's your challenge. He said, don't, don't, don't think that they're the only one alone here. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. Appreciate that. Mm, all that sympathy. Mm, mm, mm. Love it. <laughs> pastor Stephen Thurston at 3 o'clock on Facebook Live, of course. He's the teaching pastor at the Salem Baptist Church. And he is also the author of Mirror Moments. You've got to get that book, Mirror Moments. Go on to his website and do that 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yes, Pastor Thurston? That's it. That's all it. All right. Right there on Facebook. You're going to get some more of this good stuff from Pastor Stephen Thurston. That's Stephen with a PH. <laughs> Love you, Pastor Thurston. I'll talk with you a little bit later. Oh, we've got Dr. Shanina Knight, and I'm so glad to hear your voice today. I missed you yesterday. Um, you know, let me just ask you this. Let me get right to it. Um, we're three years into this pandemic, and um, it just seems like there's a lot that we don't get. As we're going into, you know, and we're a little more than a week away from Christmas. I mean, we are in the season. People are going to start traveling this weekend, and we are going to be, uh, you don't see people mask up anymore. 
you can't get these tests without paying for them anymore. It's just a lot. We've let a lot of these, we've let our guard down. What would you recommend that we do? Uh, just kind of give us a short list of what we should be doing going into this season so that we can take care of ourselves as we celebrate the holiday with our loved ones. I think you just said it, Santita. Um, Mm. You said what people ain't got going on, but that's what we have to try to figure out, believe it or not, because those are the things that are going to keep us safe. And, you know, someone literally was asking me, they was like, well, why all of the RSV? Why all of the flu? Why all of the COVID? And it is because we have de-implemented all of this stuff, which means that we took it away, opposed to being able to consistently keep it going until we were sure that we were out of the pandemic, not realizing that the boosters and the vaccines were masking the problem and that, yes, wow, it was the intent of scientists to have a solution to the problem by developing the vaccines. I've been saying from the beginning of time that vaccines and traditionally are good at reducing the severity of symptoms. Even when, for example, you would get the flu vaccine, the goal is is so you wouldn't have this outward display of symptoms. When you got the chickenpox vaccine, it primed your body for it, so that way you wouldn't have an outward expression of chickenpox. And so this whole notion that the vaccines intentionally were going to cure COVID was crazy to me that that message was being falsely shared. And here it is, we are again, that because we know that, you know, viruses and different illnesses can mutate, we assume that, yes, it was going to automatically get rid of. And until we had those answers, masks should have continued hand hygiene should have continued, environmental cleaning should have continued, physically distancing should have continued, questionnaires and screenings of individuals to understand if they were high risk should have continued, jobs in their sick policies, the flexibility of being able to work at home or work in different locations should have continued, schools, whether they created, you know, creative plans of staggering um care, making sure that they kept the environmental cleaning going, even within schools, should have continued. And so I was expressing to someone, I said, when we look at these RSV cases and somebody like, well, what is going on? The last time all kids may have not necessarily been at school and or we might have and then they were masked. Right. And so they were at school and they were masked. There was environmental cleaning happening. And now we have older siblings that are returning to school and they're going back and they're taking, let's say, some sort of illness, home the baby brother, baby sister. You have, you know, protocols that have been dropped inside of daycares. And so now people's babies are around others that, you know, transmission happening between, let's say, the actual daycare workers of going from baby to baby. The reason you're seeing RSV outbreaks in different facilities so we're looking at human behavior prevail over what it is we thought or assumed that medicine would be able to fix and not understanding that all of these things were supposed to work together. So in this holiday season, when someone asks, what is it that I should be doing to keep myself safe? I'm going to remind them we have the tools in our toolbox 
It's just about how mindful are we with using those tools and how well are we using those tools. That means that we should be diligent about cleaning our hands, not hurrying it up and running it up underwater and assuming that it's clean. That is the first and most important thing that I will tell someone, Santita. And for the sake of time, I'm going to stop there. But I'm telling you that single hand hygiene is the single most important thing that people should be doing to stay safe during this time. Mic drop on that. I hear you. Wash your hands. Have that hand sanitizer, everybody. Please be careful. Let's talk about euthanasia in Canada. They're now offering the opportunity for people to engage in medically assisted suicide if they are poor, if they are homeless, if they are amputees. People are trying, they're being, they're trying, medical, medical officials are trying to talk people into suicide. Because, you know, your life, what's it, you know, you're not going to be well. Wow. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about euthanasia, free euthanasia, free medically assisted suicide for the poor. That's what our neighbors to the north are doing. They're saying that it, that might signal a society in collapse. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Let's talk about it with the co-founder of Food Not Bombs. Food, not bombs. It is a global movement, everybody, and these people are risking arrest all over the country, all over the world, globally, uh, as they try to give food to homeless people and to people who need it. Uh, call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Should you be given the option of killing yourself because you're homeless, because you are poor, First up, let me talk to Chaperl Wells. Chaperl celebrations by us. Chaperl, I'm going to call in today so that I can get my my vittles for the holiday. I just finished my I just finished my string beans from you last night with the ham hocks. Yes. <laughs> Good morning, Santita. And yes, we are taking our final, 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 final order because we are shutting it down for Christmas. <laughs> So give us a Let call me hurry. <laughs> we can handle your green beans, your mac and cheese, your ham, your turkey, your dressing, as well as also your sweets, your pound cakes, your caramel cake, your red velvet cake, your German chocolate cake, your cookies, as well as also your pies. So don't hesitate to give us a call. 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We're taking orders up until this Friday. So give us a call. We only have limited spots. So call us today, and we can help you set your Christmas table. Thank you so much, Santita. Hey, everybody. Call us at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about free euthanasia for the poor. You can't you can't make this up. Amir Fasud, who's in a who's in Ontario, which is one of the provinces in Canada, 
He didn't want to die, the story reads from the Toronto City News. But after fears he would lose his housing, become homeless, he had applied for medically assisted death as an alternative to being homeless. We have veterans who are being being who are considering uh, medically assisted suicide. In fact, they're in the hospitals and the medical personnel are trying to convince them to kill themselves because, you know, it'll be easier. You know, what you're dealing with is just, it's such a burden on you, maybe on society. We have got to talk about this today because if we feel this way about poor people, if we feel this way about homeless people, if we feel this way about anyone who's living on the downside of advantage, and if you live long enough, you will be on the downside of advantage in some kind of way, then we are a society in collapse. We are in trouble, and we are absolutely do it. We are absolutely do that. There is a woman named Sophia. This is a pseudonym. She died because she had chemical sensitivities. You know we were all locked away for three years, and so what was coming through her vents was marijuana smoke, cigarette smoke. She was too sensitive to that. She could not get the Salvation Army, who owned the building that she was living in. She was struggling. Um, They made some minor changes, but they were not enough for her, and she got sicker and sicker and sicker. So she made a video eight days before her death. She made the decision. She made the decision to kill herself. She said, this is really nothing else for me. And this, she had what they call MCS, uh, multiple chemical sensitivities. She didn't have to die, everybody. She didn't have to die. She could have gotten treated, and that would have been the end of that. I want to know how you feel about that. Well, we've got Attorney Daryl Jones, Transformative Justice Coalition Chair, Attorney Robert Patillo, Rainbow Push, brilliant civil rights lawyers, both of them. And we're going to let, uh, we're going to be led by Keith McHenry today, one of my heroes. And the more I find out about this gentleman, the more I just love him. He's the co-founder of the Global Movement. Foods, not bombs. Matt Sowell up in Min- in Minneapolis, St. Paul said, I love that name. I love it. I love it. I love it. Food, not bombs.net. Go on and, number one, jump on in there and give them a contribution because this, you know, freedom is not free. And they are risking arrest trying to get food to people. Talk to us. What's happening in, in, um, in Canada? What, what well, is this? The, yeah, they... This is like really frightening. So down in the States here, we have, um, you know, death with dignity is how this started in Canada seven years ago. It's uh, up there. It's called medical assistance in dying. And there was a, a slippery slope so where uh, it was came available in the last year f- for people who basically uh, can't afford to find housing or, or pay for housing. And I, uh, Amir was the person who, his interview was the one that originally shocked me. But I came to find out that one of my best friend's aunts took, um, um, you know, did made herself. And then the other aunt was going to do it, but fortunately his uh, family talked her out of it. And they have no real, uh, you know, complications. They were just older Americans. And, um, you know, so I had a serious, painful illness for 20 years. And many of the people that had my illness, um, you know, um, approximately half committed suicide within five or six years of being diagnosed. Well, I cured it after 20 years with a water-only fast, and I've had 10 wonderful years of, uh, I've written an entire book in the, tw- in the 20 years since, or the 10 years since I was cured. And, 
So it, to me, it's like very personal. The other thing is that I originally heard this idea on a AM radio station in Los Angeles where a shock jockey was uh, talking about how a, a mangy dog got hit by a truck, and it occurred to him they could have free euthanasia centers all around the L.A. County for the homeless, and that that would be a, you know, a great thing. This was in, in uh in the 1990s, and then when I saw Amir's interview and how he did not want to die, but he did not want to live on the streets either, so he had chosen MAID. Fortunately, because of that program, he was offered housing, and he was able to uh, avoid, you know, euthanized, getting himself euthanized. But as you said, there was like... Um, Quite a number of people reported that the healthcare uh, professional that they were, you know, seeing would go. Uh, in one case, they said, "Well, you know, it's going to cost you fifteen hundred dollars a day to stay in the hospital. Maybe you should consider the uh, uh, medical assistance in dying program instead." And so, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Slowly, say that one more time. I don't want anyone to miss that. Keith McEnry, the co-founder of Food Not Moms. What happened? Yeah, yeah. So people, people, not quite a number of people reported in Canada and Canadian media that they were um, in one case, uh, uh, or this is a number of cases where the medical expenses. In this one case, it was 50, the uh, doctor said, "Well, it's fifteen hundred dollars a day to stay in the hospital. Maybe you should consider." Uh, the medical assistance in dying program instead. And that is also, um, you would refer to a veteran who spoke to the House of Commons, uh, Christine Geltler, and she received a letter because she was having trouble getting her um, wheelchair accessible, um, you know, ramps and so on for her housing or be moved to housing where she could come and go independently in her wheelchair and they sent a letter this is a, her quote says i have a letter saying that if you are so desperate madam we can offer you made medical assistance in dying and um this is a person who was injured in the military in the canadian military you know defending canada and that's the letter that they sent so the other frightening thing is now you know so Back when de- death with uh, dignity was first proposed and pet laws like in or- uh, Oregon and-, and California were passed, it was like you were terminally ill, you weren't going to survive, you, um, and you were in massive pain, and this was kind of made some sense. But now, in March of 2023, if you are depressed in Canada or have some other mental health issue, that you're struggling with, you can also opt in for MAID. So just and you're supposed to be mentally competent, but you still at the same time have a mental condition, and you are as you're over 18, you can sign up to have yourself euthanized. That is absolutely That's incredible. I mean, I you know see, I'm I'm a deeply religious woman, and. Um, <clears throat> And so I just, I don't believe it's over until God says it's over. So I'm just, let me just put that out there right now. And so I just don't believe in that. I'm not saying I don't believe in euthanasia, but I think that people should have the option. But you should not talk people into into uh, euthanasia, into killing themselves because they don't have housing. Because they cannot, yeah, that's what's uh, because they're afraid they're not going to be able to eat. 
I mean, Keith McHenry, this is inhumane. And it, to yeah, me, I'm it is indicative, as you said, of a society in collapse. Yeah, see, the thing that, that I am fearful for is already we have this amazing uh, level of anti-homeless propaganda that goes out. And, you know, as anybody that feeds the homeless, you know, is, is probably aware, you get quite a few, uh, a lot of hate mail and so on for, for you know, enabling, uh, you know, the, the uh, mentally ill by feeding them and so on. So this is just opening the door to ultimately what I fear are um, like a surplus population control aspect of, of society where, you know, life is so cheap that you just assume people would, you know, that it's better off that, that, that they're euthanized. And, I'm, and, you know, basically considering people that uh, can't afford housing to be useless eaters. And, um, you know, there's already proposals in California, for instance, to uh, place everybody in massive shelters and to declare people incompetent. And I've already had friends who are just wonderful, beautiful friends, but that's quirky, who have actually already been placed in mental hospitals and subjected to horrible medical practices and so on. They're currently suffering. In a couple of cases, people have actually passed away as a result. And we have this, uh, um, you know, program called the uh, uh, CARES Courts, which is, is, to me, one step closer towards, you know, just objectifying, dehumanizing the, the homeless um, even more. And I'm very, very concerned that what's going to happen is people will be so callous about this that they will, uh, you know, support, you know, large mass euthanasia programs in the United States just because people can't afford housing. And there's like millions of people now that are facing homelessness at this rate. And, and, and it's just, to me, it's slippery slope. And I'm very concerned that, that, that if Americans become so callous to this idea and really open to the, the possibility, as, they're, as is happening in Canada. And then what's shocking, too, is there's no uprising in Canada against this. It seems to me... Since I know personally three people in Canada who have had this question, unfortunately, only one actually took, um, you know, ad- advantage, as they call it, of made. Um, you know, it's 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 real. It's not just something that's happening in the media. It's something that's happening to my best friend's family in Canada, and it's 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 really frightening. Oh, everybody, I want to know what you think. 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. Don't think that it cannot happen here. Don't think that it's not. You know, I, I put nothing past anyone, and I think that we need to examine our values. We're talking with Keith McHenry, the co-founder of Food Not Bombs. You've got a real fan up there in um, Minneapolis-St. Paul with my guy, Matt Soule, who's saying universal health care is a human right. It should be a crime to have a cure for sickness or disease and not help the people that need it. And it should be a crime for people to be homeless. It should be a crime for people to be hungry. It should be a crime to be impoverished. It is criminal. It is criminal. Yeah, it really is. It is criminal. One thing I don't know if you happen to see this. So there was a there's a clothing company in, from Quebec called uh, Simons, and they ran a three minute ad of a woman named Jennifer Hatch who was 37. She also was finding it impossible to find housing for her medical condition, and so she um, um, was featured in a three minute ad called "All Is Beauty." And she, it's, it's this very um, Orwellian, uh, you know, little film showing how much people 
you know, that she's gathered with all of her friends on the beach and everything before she's going to get medical medical assisted in dying. And she's like all, you know, glorious. It's so beautiful the last days of my life. And it turns out she has no interest in dying whatsoever. And yet she's featured in this um, ad. And it turned out it was a matter of just the Canadian government providing adequate housing for her. And she, um, you know, it's, her illness was very, very painful. But like my illness, it could have potentially been cured. And she, at 37, I was like 50 some years old when I when I was cured of uh, of uh, you know my illness and and you know just a shame she could have lived thirty you know forty fifty more years and and who knows what she could have accomplished and just to snuff out her life because it was inconvenient to provide housing is just uh, it's outrageous. No, it's an inconvenient for whom? Robert Patillo, your thoughts about this? Robert, are you on mute? Well, let me go to Attorney Jones. Is this insane? Oh, Santina, you know, I, I'm just sitting here listening, and I'm like, this is <laughs> Words fail you, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. You know, I have all these images and thoughts. I said, you know, what about the unhoused? You know, those that are simply unhoused that, you know, my, my parents used to say, you're a little down on your luck. Do you then, you know, uh, get the choice of this uh, of this medical assistance in dying, thinking, I'm, you know, I'm better off simply gone from here than being a burden on someone? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. It just doesn't seem that, you know, I think about my military friends that come back with psychological issues that Mm -hmm. don't want to be a burden on their family. Do they then just select this, you know, the medical assistance in dying? You know, I I think about all of the panhandlers that that are out there. Is is the legal, is the the legislative piece then, well, you know, we're going to give you a choice. You can go to jail or you can die. I mean, this, this, this. You know what I think about, Daryl? Daryl, I think about my own parents. When I was born, my parents did not have a place to live. They lived with the Halseys, a wonderful couple in Greensboro, North Carolina. In fact, Mrs. Ruth Halsey named me. That's why I'm not a JLJ like everybody else. And then I think about the hospital that in the Christmas season was going to put my brother Jonathan out because my parents had no money. And he had a viral pneumonia that was eating up his lung, Attorney Jones and Attorney Patillo and Mr. McHenry. And they said, well, you know, there's nothing else we can do. My brother's on his way to Congress next month. But they were going to put him out. And they were going to let him die. And my father, in desperation, called Dr. King, because that's who he was working for at the time. He said, if they put my baby out, he's not going to live. Help, help me. He said, just have them hold him overnight. And I'll be there in the morning. I mean, really? Come on. This is horrific. Attorney Robert Patillo. Well, it's horrific, and it's horrific on many levels because we have to think about beyond uh, just the, uh, the – this is probably the most extreme situation, but even in America, uh, I've practiced criminal defense for you know, over a decade, and I've seen clients use uh, jail and use prison as universal health care. 
uh, we had a case in Atlanta where a man needed heart surgery, so he broke into a uh, broke into a convenience store and just sat there waiting for the police to come and take him in to get the state to pay for the heart surgery. Uh, we have to look at the lack of humanity that we have in America, where we treat uh, individuals with less means, less resources, as if they are somehow subhuman. That your humanity is attached to your bank account, your humanity is attached to your housing status, to your addiction status, to your mental health status. Uh, we uh, I've seen cities and work with mayors across the country, and the way that city councils and citizens groups talk about the unhoused, they talk about them the same way they talk about stray dogs and pigeons, uh, because they don't see any humanity in them or uh, are attached to them, and so they are simply just a public nuisance to be cleared out, uh, bulldozed, pushed under the bridges, put out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and for a nation that claims to be a quote-unquote Christian nation, for a nation that claims to be a quote-unquote pro life nation. This is why we talk so much about uh, holistically needing um, to reform this system, because beyond simply putting folks out of their misery, quote-unquote, uh, we have to look at the way that we treat individuals while, while they are alive and what we invest in as a system. We got more bombs in America uh, that we could use to kill the entire population on Earth. But we somehow can't provide education, can't provide housing, can't provide food, can't provide medicine. And if we're not willing to look at the, our system for what we really are, uh, we're in a very low position to criticize the rest of the world. And Keith McHenry, you and your group have been trying to give people food, but you have been yeah, being well, resistance. Know, Talk to us about that. Yeah, so we started 42 years ago in, in Boston, and we were actually uh, allies of uh, both Boston City Council and the Cambridge City Council. And when I moved to San Francisco in 88, I assumed it would be just as uh, welcoming as, as Boston, which is where the first group started. And I started the second group, and lo and behold, on August 15th of 88, we started getting arrested. And I had applied for a permit to serve food at the entrance to Golden Gate Park on the one day where food was not available in the Haight-Ashbury. And uh, instead of getting a letter saying, oh, you can't do it, or, or, oh, this is what you would need to do, or whatever, they sent out 45 riot police and arrested nine of us. And ultimately, they made over 1,000 arrests in San Francisco. I spent 500 days in jail total for feeding people in the city. Um, and then uh, there's been waves of other arrests, and we have threats. Um, for instance, uh, Fort Lauderdale, there was a number of arrests there, and we won, actually, an appellate case. Um, saying it was our First Amendment right. Um, and the judge, actually, who wrote the opinion, you know, quoted people like Jesus and so on as being, uh, you know, you know, verification that it is communicating with the world and it is your right to share food with people in the streets. And um, then, uh, you know, here in Santa Cruz, we have a law that was passed against serving food at where we do share food every every day. We've been out for one thousand one hundred or one thousand and two days in a row um, because all the indoor soup kitchens had to close from the pandemic and they've yet to open. And so we are taking up that slack. Yet the cities evicted us eight times from eight different locations and 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 uh, continually harasses us to and try and uh, we were threatened with arrest on uh, on God, on Saturday when the rain was unbelievable and we moved into a, a parking garage to serve and they were saying we were loitering in the parking garage and tried to get rid of us from there. 
So, um, you know, and I, and I did 18 days in jail in, in Orlando for feeding people. We had a, a total of, uh, um, you know, of a thousand arrests in San Francisco um, for serving food in the uh, about over an eight year period of time. We also the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force um, declared us a credible national security threat on August 29th of 88 in a letter to the field office of the FBI, the San Francisco field office. And uh, we were then uh, also featured in National Guard um, uh, workshops on Thanksgiving of 88 as one of America's most hardcore terrorist groups, even though our name is Food, Not Bombs. And in fact, when I got off the plane, or I was actually greeted on the plane by Border and Customs in Chicago O'Hare one time when I came back from uh, Turkey. And uh, and I had to explain to the investigators that it says, ma'am, it is not bombs. And, and, uh, and uh, she continued her stern look at me anyway. Um, no, no, hold, so, hold um, on. I, I want you to stay right there. I, this segment's going to run a little long. We... We are definitely going to talk about Brittany Griner in the next in the next block. But I want I wanted you all to hear this story because I came across it a little more than a week ago and I was incredulous and I still am. And I think we are all on the slippery slope, the so-called Western world, the developed world. This is moral bankruptcy. I've never seen God make a mouth that God could not feed. That is what my pastor, Reverend Clay Evans, may he rest in heavenly peace. He always would say that. I've never seen God have a vision without making provision. We're all the visions of God. And the way has been made for us on earth before we even got here. But you have so many greedy people. And we have so many misplaced priorities. And we're the ones who have to fight. We've got wars that we are paying for and we don't even know what we're paying for. We don't even know why we're over there. We don't know. We, and we underpay the enlistees and we overpay Blackwater, Eric Prince's group. Yeah, I'm calling them out. You talk about Russian mercenaries. We have mercenaries who are fighting our wars. And you know who's guarding them and who's taking the first bullet? Our enlistees. Your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your partner. Are you serious right now? And you're going to have someone talk someone into suicide because you can't house them with all of this open housing in the United States of America and in Canada? Oh, no. We're going to have to talk about this. And then we're going to ease into Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, who's got four passports. It is not an equal exchange, everybody. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. Stay right with me, Mr. McHenry. Back in just a minute. Thank you. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. I'm Santita Jackson. We've been talking about free euthanasia. Free euthanasia for uh, the poor, for the homeless, for people who have some kind of sickness. It might not be, you know, sickness that is terminal. But um, if you're going to be a burden on society, maybe you just need to consider suicide. That is what some medical personnel are trying to convince people to do. Amputees, veterans who are amputees, all of that. 
That's happening in Canada. And you know what? In a soft way, we're seeing it creep in here because their human life has been so devalued. So let's talk about that. And then we're going to be talking about Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. Who is he? Four passports? Really? Okay. Um, Okay. And he's a veteran who was dishonorably discharged, but he's got a successful corporate career. I'm not. I want Mr. Whelan home, too. But it's not an even exchange. So many people are up in arms that we've left this veteran behind. But his story is a little bit more complex, so let's talk about it. Uh, Let me get to a few of these headlines so that we can get to the rest of the show, everybody. Chicago, a high of 42 degrees, cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 36 degrees and rain in the NFL last night. The Patriots 27, the Cardinals 13. In the NBA, the Trailblazers 133, the Timberwolves 112, and the Knicks will be facing off the Bulls in Chicago tomorrow. In the NHL, the Wild 2, the Oilers 1, and the Capitals will be playing Chicago in Chicago tonight. All right, it's down to the final four in the World Cup of Soccer in FIFA, the FIFA games, everybody. Argentina, Croatia, France, and Morocco. Argentina will be facing off against Croatia today at the top of the afternoon, and France will be facing off against Morocco. Morocco, uh, the first African nation to get this far in the World Cup. Everybody in the African and Arab world are very, very excited about this development. Cannot wait to see. This is just great, everybody. For the first time, U.S. scientists have successfully produced a nuclear fusion reaction resulting in a net energy gain, producing heat, everybody. About 15 million people in a dozen states are under winter weather alerts today as a massive coast-to-coast storm continues to head west. Icy weather in the upper Midwest. Blizzard conditions in the Great Plains, storms along the Gulf Coast. Everybody, please take care of yourselves. President Joe Biden today will sign into law a bill passed last week by Congress that mandates federal recognition for same-sex and interracial marriages. The White House is planning to mark the occasion in a big way today. Good, good, good for them. Hundreds of Oath Keepers, a study has found, have worked for the Department of Homeland Security in recent years. Are you surprised? But that's interesting. Maybe that's why they don't get investigated. I don't know. Everybody, you know, we've been talking about financial freedom on the Santita Jackson Show, and I want you to reach out to Team Hochberg. If you do not have a credit card, if you are using that debit card, if you're using that debit card, you shouldn't be. You need to get a credit card. You say, I don't have My credit score is too low for me to get a credit card. If you call Team Hochberg, they can come up with a plan so that you can get a credit card. If you want to get a home, if you want to buy a building, they can help you to formulate that plan. If you have high credit card debt, they can work through a plan so that you can eliminate that debt. Don't negotiate with these credit card companies yourself. Let them do it. Call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, and have that free consultation. Find out from them. Tell them your whole story and then find out from them what they can do to help you. And let them come up with a plan and work it out, everybody. Tom and Sonia, 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of debt on those credit cards. They were struggling to keep up with the mortgage in their home. They were looking at losing their home. Well, they reached out to Team Hochberg. They said, well, look, this can't hurt. Well, Team Hochberg came up with a plan, lowered their credit card payments by more than $2,800 a month. They were able to save their home, got them a loan. It could be you. So many Americans are struggling, trying to keep our heads above water. So do this, everybody. 
reach out to Team Hochberg today. Go to 56david.com, check them out online, but call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, I promise you. There'll be a godsend. We've been talking as we uh, move into the Brittany Griner discussion, but I did want to wrap this up because I just I feel this is so important. Food, not bombs. The co-founder, Keith McHenry, is with us today. This will not be the last time you're going to be on this show. He has been in jail more than 500 days trying to feed people who are hungry. Just so that you know, I had to look this up, um, Mr. McHenry, as we have Attorney Mark Fancher, who joins Attorney Daryl Jones and Attorney uh, Robert Patillo. Um you know, it's there are 16 million vacant housing units in the United States today, Mr. McHenry. Yeah, yeah. No, no one should be no, homeless. Yeah, it's in, it's insane. When I started Food Not Bombs, we we were like a street performance group, saying that the policies of Reagan and of the uh, banks, could, which were redlining in Boston at the time and probably still are, were were. Um, you know, could result in there being a huge homeless population in the United States. We didn't stop, you know, turn turn things around. And here it is, like 42 years later, and there are millions of people living on the streets of our country or, you know, in cars and so on, trying to survive. And instead of, uh, of, of opening up these houses or making, uh, you know, the laws that, that uh, tax empty houses or things of that nature that, to help, they are criminalizing the people living on the streets. And you can see this everywhere. In Washington, D.C., Food Not Bombs has been trying to support people who are being swept from uh, um, these business districts into parks and then out of parks. And, in fact, there's a huge tent population that's now grown up around the White House because they keep getting pushed from area to area. And that's just outrageous when we could be housing every single person in the in the country. And then, you, you know, they have like, we have a, a shelter here, which is nothing more than a bunch of pup tents up on a hill, and you can only get a ride into town every hour on the hour from like about 7 in the morning to 7 at night. And people there call it the concentration camp because they have no freedom. They're basically stuck in the hills with, you know, in, in these little pup tents with no place to really go uh, you know and that's how we're treating people in our country and it's it's just frightening and i'm really worried you know the uh, princeton eviction project claimed that about 40 billion families in the united states were facing homelessness because of uh, you know the uh, devastation of the pandemic and uh we know that the u.s um um, Census Bureau said that in October that they did a survey and that 30 million families believe that they might be evicted in October. And I think a huge number of them were. Unfortunately, many were moved to people's couches and stuff, you know. But eventually, later this winter, many of those uh, tens of thousands of people are going to end up in pup tents on street corners or sleeping in doorways. And, and, and you know, we're, we had enough mo- we sent enough money in weapons to Ukraine at the beginning of the war to end homelessness in the United States, according to the uh, Housing and Urban Development. And yet we chose to instead send weapons to Iraq and I mean, to Ukraine instead of house our people. And uh, there was no vote on that or anything. We just like, let's send $40 billion off to uh, fight, fight a, a war in a far off land. 
And we just had the largest military budget ever passed, just happened. And, uh, but there was no debate. (laughs) The amount of money they added to it was exactly what HUD says is enough to end homelessness in the United States. Is there not a, it's obvious that we have, our veterans are living in the streets. We have so many people. You know, in, in Santa Cruz, many, many of my friends that, that eat with me every day at the town clock are the actual construction workers who built Santa Cruz and were injured while building our town. And yet now they live in pup tents along the river. I mean, that's crazy. So, and I learned this because I had a broken back and I'd be in a walker myself after my uh, two surgeries and everybody go, oh, I have that walker. I, my, you know, I fell off of this building and this scaffolding and I was crushed by this uh, piece of concrete. I had a broken back and I, you know, and so I'd start hearing all these stories of all these people who became homeless just directly because of construction industry injuries and uh you know obviously that's not the only way you know i myself have been homeless five times uh, um from uh medical crises and and, uh you know so i was uh homeless uh you know i was home in this illness that i overcame after 20 years i you know i started out my days with that disease living on the streets of tucson arizona and um, and then I never, you know, my bills were twenty five thousand dollars for emergency room visits, and uh, thankfully I was able to get, you know, I convinced the uh, creditors to n- not hound me because I was like, look at, you know, if I have twenty five thousand dollars, I would rent an apartment, but right now I'm staying on a street corner with nothing. <laughs> you know what are you talking about? So, uh, you know, this is just a, it's a shame. You know, for we we could house everybody. And yet we we choose we actually choose to send money. So in all this bonds too that we're producing, um, you know, it's it's not like you were saying earlier. It's not going to the poor guys that are, you know, have have you know joined the military thinking that they were going to you know get maybe a college degree or something, which hopefully they will do it. But while Blackwater is making you know like hundreds of dollars an hour to every you know. These people have six-figure salaries. They have six-figure salaries. But before you go, I wanted you to just restate for the audience what's happening in in Canada in terms of their law that's allowing this. Because I think that's what was so stunning to me, that that the law states that um, poor and homeless people uh, can apply for medically assisted suicide simply because they're poor or homeless. Yeah. So, yeah, they have medical assistance in dying, and they created a cute name called MAID, M-A-I-D. <laughs> and and, um, and up, in, uh, up until March, this coming March, you, um, you, you, you know, if you just couldn't pay your bills or your medical bills or you couldn't find safe housing or, um, or just couldn't, in the case of, of the person that first alerted to me to this issue, um, uh, man in, in uh, uh, Amir in St. Catharines, Ontario, um, he just couldn't afford it. He never could find another apartment, and he didn't want to be homeless, and so he chose MAID instead. And, um, and, he, and, he, and he had no more ailments than any other 60-year-old person, you know, who has arthritis and stuff. There, And he did not want to die. 
uh, he told the TV company, uh, City News in Canada, that he was not interested in dying, but he just knew that at his age he couldn't live in in a freezing cold, you know, St. Catharines is incredibly cold. It's just the north of Buffalo. And, um, you know, and, he, and, and who would want to stand around outside and sub their weather? I've done that myself as a homeless person in Boston with ice up to my legs. So medical. So now, though, in March, if you are depressed or have a mental health issue, you can also take advantage, as they say, of MAID uh, and uh, have yourself uh, euthanized because you're depressed or and who you know who isn't on occasion you know depressed or having you know anxiety or something like that well you know the solution should not be to end your life you know things could really turn around you could have uh, you know an amazing future and that happened to to me i my illness i roughly half the people that had it you know committed suicide within about five years of being diagnosed and fortunately, I cured myself with a water-only fast after suffering for 20 years, and it was horrible 20 years. But then the last uh, 10, you know, I've written uh, um, my latest book, uh, Soup Street, and um, a memoir of my life, and I would have never done that had I decided that I couldn't take it anymore and killed myself during when I was, like, just, you know, writhing in pain, homeless in Tucson. Well, you know, they say, um, you know, Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Just very quickly, I'm going to have you. I commit to having you back on the show. Uh, I really, oh, I want you to come back. Oh no, bless no. God bless you, and thank you for blessing us. You know that what you've done unto the least of these, you've also done unto me. That is what my Bible tells me. I want to know how can we support you? How can we? Because I know, I know foodnotbombs.net. I know you need money. How can we support you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could go to food.bombs.net, and there's a donation button at the top. Um, also, on Venmo, we're um, uh, World Food Not Bombs, and uh, say Keith McHenry on it to verify it. But there's a lot of food. You know, you have ch- groups in Chicago that need support and funding. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, you know, all, all of your listening area. There's like tons of Food Not Bombs chapters. But we, and then if you want us to redirect them donation to a specific city, we're happy to do that. So it's at foodnotbombs.net. Also, we have a hunger hotline, uh, 1-800-884-1136. And I answer that phone and get calls from people whose uh, SNAP has just, uh, you know, I don't know if you you know this, but people with food stamps, it kind of comes and goes for people. Like all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you don't really have any money and you don't know what happened. And then it reappears, fortunately, uh, often in the with a little bit of struggle, but um, so I get calls like from desperate people looking for food from all over the United States and all over uh, the world, actually, you know. And uh, so, uh, you know, you can. It would be wonderful if people visited foodnotbombs.net and got an idea of either how to start a local food not bombs group in your community or join a local chapter and help us cook and serve food or uh, make a donation. Um, but our biggest, we're an all-volunteer movement. We have no paid staff anywhere on Earth. And uh, we're in 1,000 cities of the world at least, maybe more. Um, that was the uh, last count. And uh, in 65 countries, including in Myanmar and Indonesia, Philippines, we've got uh, one of our oldest groups is in Johannesburg, South Africa, and they just started a Cape Town group there. And uh, 
We have groups all over Latin America and Canada, all major cities of Canada and 500 cities of the United States. So we are going strong. And unfortunately, hunger and poverty seems to be a growing phenomenon worldwide. And uh, so we're on the front lines of that crisis. And um, in in, in our city, because of COVID, uh, the... uh, annual Christmas meal by the veterans can't happen indoors, so we are doing it again for the third Christmas in a row outside at the town clock in in Santa Cruz, California. That'll be, uh, we've been out there over a thousand days since they closed all the indoor soup kitchens, and uh, we're still rocking along, and a lot of Funabang chapters are filling that void left by by the pandemic and the closing of other meal programs that had to shut down because of lack of uh, because of the safety issues and being indoors so food not bombs dot net food not bombs dot net they deserve your support we're going to have you back before the christmas holiday next week um so that we can continue yeah. to keep this issue alive because no law should say that because you're depressed because you're poor because you're homeless you ought to consider suicide mark fancher You are deeply embedded in your Bible. This is just sin, Mark. Amen. Amen, that's for sure. Mark, what does that say about our society, in your opinion, before we go to this break? Well, you know, I think that uh, we've all been trained uh, to value uh, material uh, possessions, wealth. Uh, we've been trained to be greedy. Uh, we've been trained to not care about others. And that sometimes manifests in, in these ways. Um, you know, we really require, we demand a complete reorientation, uh, you know, as to our values, uh, our spiritual concerns. And uh, we just need to go back to basics in terms of uh, gaining a fundamental appreciation for human life and for the welfare of our fellow human beings. Well, indeed, one of the triplets that Dr. King said would kill us materially. He said we would be approaching spiritual death. We spent more money on the military than on programs of spiritual uplift. He said you you can't be a thing-oriented society. You've got to be a people-oriented society. People have come to tell, to give us this good news, to let us know the way that we should live, and yet we continue to ignore it. No one should have to should have to consider suicide anywhere in the world because the government says that you can. You know, because maybe, you know, you there's no room for you because you're not standing upright and perfect. You keep on living. You're going to have a day where you're going to be brought to your knees. Keep on living. That's going to happen to you. It's going to happen. And we shouldn't treat each other this way. You don't know who That's you're right. throwing away. You don't, Keith McHenry, you don't know who you're throwing away. Jesus was born in a manger, and that's a fancy way of saying he was down there with the animals and their and their feces and their urine. That's where he was born. Yeah. Now, we're in this Christmas season. You all need to, he was homeless and was running away from a government that was trying to kill the Hebrew boys. Are you serious right now? You all can't figure that out, and we're going to make it law, law, 
and you're going to have some doctor stand over you in the hospital to tell you that you need to, what? Well, you need to kill yourself because, you know, you're an amputee. How are you going to get around? Well, you, you know, you're precariously housed. You're unhoused. Well, you know, it's, you're done now. Are you serious? We better think about that, everybody, because we are approaching spiritual death if we think that that is okay. Yeah, exactly. This is just, I mean, what, to even to think of this as an idea, whoever thought of it, it it's just like it's criminal. I mean, it, they do it, it all the time. To, making the, to make it Keith like McKinley, normalized. That, we drop yeah. bombs on people every day. You don't pay attention because yeah. it's a little brown and black people and poor white folks. I mean, come on. You know, yeah. we don't. No, no, no. Yeah. We need to stop that. Yeah. I've got one. I Absolutely. literally have. I have 30 seconds. They belong to you. Well, thanks for having me. It's such an honor to be on your program. And, and I certainly look forward to communicating with people at foodnotbombs.net. You get a chance. And we really appreciate any donations and and support. You know, it's and again, what, the final thing is it's such an honor to be on your program. Uh, well, you honor me. Thank you. You so honor much. me. <laughs> you honor me. I think of Mitch Snyder when I think of you in Washington, D.C., uh, the champion yeah, of the homeless in Washington. Oh, I, I knew Mr. Snyder, and um, yeah. I think of him today. I thank man. God for him today. Beautiful man, beautiful soul. Let's talk about uh-huh. ooh, about Brittany Griner, everybody, and Paul Whelan. His case is a little bit more complicated than we're saying. He's got four passports, everybody. Four. One, two, three, four. He's a citizen of Canada, of Ireland, of Britain, and of the United States. <laughs> Would that have been an even swap? Call me at 773-763-9278. And everybody, give your support to foodnotbombs.net. Back with more in just a few minutes. Beautiful. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Whew, boy, oh boy, oh boy, Brittany Griner is home. We've been waiting for 10 months for that to happen. And everybody's not happy about it, which is shocking and so sad. Uh, they're saying, wait a minute, you left a veteran behind, a U.S. Marine. Mm, but Paul Whelan's case is more complex. It's more complex. Certainly we want him home. We want all people who are captives to be set free. Well, maybe I can amend that, but you know what I'm saying, generally speaking, right? And um, But his case is more complex. We're beginning to hear, you know, people now saying, okay, he's got four passports. That's interesting. He was dishonorably charged from the military as a Marine. Yet he has a successful corporate career. He's been to Russia numerous times. There's a lot going on here. Attorney Mark Fancher. Whew. So what do you make of this? Well, you know, you, you've mentioned some of the things that are quite odd about this uh, individual. Not, not, Such as? Uh, too many, not too many, you know, middle American, you know, all American, you know, dad types uh, who... 
you know, spend their time on weekends watching their kids play soccer uh, happen to have passports to, you know, the U.K., Ireland, Canada, and the U.S. Um, there are not too many of them who would be just roaming around Russia, um, you know, just on a jaunt. There aren't too many of them who would be accused by the Russian government of uh, being caught, quote-unquote, red-handed receiving a flash drive that contains classified information. Um, there are not too many of them who, if they claim that they're innocent, uh, after legal proceedings uh, and after claiming that they've been framed, uh, would decide that they're not going to uh, file an appeal of the conviction uh, and say that they're just going to sit back and rely on the U.S. government to try and swap them for somebody. Uh, so, I mean, it just goes on and on. And I, I think that we have to do a reality check. Uh, you know, if this man is who he claims to be, then certainly I join with everybody else in hoping that uh, he's released. But at the same time, we do have to recognize that uh, spying is a real thing. Uh, the CIA is a real entity. Uh, that there is vicious and contentious uh, warfare, both hot and cold, that goes on between uh, the U.S. and Russia, and that individuals who participate in those conflicts are, are part of a much bigger thing. And that it, it's not surprising that there are individuals who play the game uh, covertly and play it uh, with cunning and with skill, and sometimes they fall and sometimes they, they're caught. And it is entirely possible that this is one of those guys. Uh, so I think we have to remember that. And, you know, I mean, it, it just fits into a, a bigger and broader context that I think that we too often forget. I mean, it, this isn't always just about individuals. Uh, you know, we're talking about a longstanding uh, you know, state of, of conflict that has existed between the U.S. and Russia for some time. I mean, even during the Obama administration, uh, you know, they were responsible. The Obama administration was responsible or played a big role in a 2014 coup that overthrew uh, a democratically elected government in Ukraine. Uh, and then when the new government came to power there, uh, they began to attack the, the Donbass region, which was, uh, you know, populated by a number of people who regarded themselves as trying to be separate from Ukraine, uh, resulted in 14,000 deaths. And then that new government violated 2015 peace accords. So this tension existed during the Obama administration. And it's not surprising that when Trump came into office, that Putin uh, would conceivably think that, look, now I've got a, a, a dunce as the president, and maybe I can calm things down by playing to his ego and, and trying to get him to ease off, uh, because it's clear to me as the head of state of Russia, that NATO is trying to militarize the Ukraine-Russia border so that they can con continue to agitate against our, my country and possibly even take it over. So let me play this dunce and, and, and get him to you know go along with me for a while. But when this dunce leaves office, uh, then all of a sudden you've got somebody else who is very clear about the NATO agenda uh, who comes in and starts to agitate once again. Uh, and so ultimately, Putin decides that, listen, you know, they're they're determined to wage a war. Let me let me go ahead and get it on with them. But I don't want it to be on on my country's soil. So let me invade. I mean, all of these kinds of things are, are certainly possibilities. And when you get down to, uh, you know, a Whalen 
then you know you're talking about somebody who's really sort of a pawn, somebody who's a, a bit player in a much larger drama, and that somebody who we don't really necessarily place in that larger context when we're looking at their circumstances. Mm, 773-763-9278. What say you, Attorney Daryl Jones? Well, you know, Cynthia, I, I, I agree you know, with Mark to Larson that it, you know, this is really a complicated matter when it comes to the wheeling, uh, the Paul Whelan uh, exchange. And, you know, it's just interesting, you know, there were a lot of discussions with regards to did the you know, U.S. give up uh, give up too much when they did the exchange for, for Brittany Griner, uh, that they should have included Whelan. But when we start to really, you know, unpack and, and uh, unfold this, this onion, there are just so many layers uh, that are to it. You know, it, not just the four passports, although, you know, that certainly is a red flag, but, you know, the, the, the discharge for the bad conduct from the U.S. Marines and then his parents not knowing about the misconduct, no one knowing about the, uh, the misconduct, that I thought was odd. Uh, would it be a situation? You know, I, I come from an office, from a law practice, where we where we actually, you know, represent people with uh, with security clearances and high level clearances, and the one thing that that's clear uh, when it comes to those types of cases that people with compromised backgrounds aren't used by the uh, by the government uh, in espionage situations because they can't be trusted. You don't know what's going to happen. So if we have somebody that has the uh, the theft in their background a bit bad conduct, discharge, or theft in their background is not necessarily someone that we're going to trust with sensitive information uh, and to be uh, put into that type of situation. So there's just so many levels that, uh, that are being questioned with regards to this. You know, so when we start to unfold it, uh, then, you know, you see all the complications that, that exist in trying to truly understand what the, what the wheel and uh, uh, controversy and, and release and you know all of it means. We also know, uh, at least as it's been uh, indicated, that he's had all these uh, different types of relations with these young military guys, right? Both on the Russian military, the U.S. Uh, Marines that are there, and all of this happened in Russia, out of Russia, and all of this stuff that that there are just so many pieces that seem to make this so complicated. And, and I don't mean to say that uh, he's guilty of anything or not guilty of anything, but there's a lot of pieces that are out there that have uh, got to be figured out uh, in order to really understand what's going on. But, uh, you know, as, as, as Robert Patillo, and I am sure um, Mark Fancher would agree that at a minimum, uh, the, the, the kangaroo trial that he was given there was just you know, horrible to say that for their spy trials, they're done completely in secret so no one knows anything that's going on and the criminal defense attorney is under a non-disclosure agreement so they can't talk about any part of the trial of what's going on so it sounds like just, just so much i'm sorry absolutely when he, they turned off the cameras and and the and the judge allegedly lunged at his defense counsel i'm like okay so we can't talk about kangaroo courts <laughs> over the past year we have seen how kanga how kanga and rue our courts are <laughs> but you know, he who has mastered kangaroo court can identify kangaroo court, right? <laughs> yeah, you can. I'm just an observer. You, you're the attorney, brilliant attorney. You are too. Like, jeez, this is. Whew. Oh, but it's. But you're right. There's so many. When 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 we were on break, you said Santita. There's so many. And you know, you and I said at the same time pieces. <laughs> Because the, the corporate media are not telling us. 
these pieces. They just say, you know, you traded a veteran for a basketball player. Wait a minute. First of all, she's a highly skilled individual. She's at the top of her game. And thank God she was released. Mercifully, she was released. Okay, but y'all ain't letting us know everything that's... I mean, th- clearly there's something going on here. Robert Patillo, are you still with us? I am indeed. Robert. Hmm? I mean, because we're not hearing yes, all these other pieces, right? I mean, I, I had to go to a BBC report. Now, mind you, the reports on him and his passports from the New York Times, this is a three-year-old story. But this is something that's not being put forward in the corporate media today. Well, it's about narrative, about narrative building, and how do you create a, a message uh, message around the narrative you want to put out there. Remember, America's goal is to uh, continue this war going forward and, con- and to keep public support behind it. Uh, so you have to have a narrative be- uh, a narrative to keep that going. Now that Brittany Griner is home, uh, many uh, uh, many American voters uh, are of the mind said, okay, well, why are we continuing to support the war in Ukraine that's been dragging on and on and on? Uh, to the uh, the point that we're now over ninety billion dollars invested in the war there, and they're at a full stalemate. Uh, so you have to create these storylines. Now it's going to be well. Let's keep this fight going for Paul because we have to get Paul back home. Um, because you have to uh, keep the messaging going because the, uh, the military industrial complex demands it. The beast must be fed. Uh, we can, as we have talked about earlier. We cannot afford to house the homeless. We cannot afford to educate the youth. We cannot afford to care for uh, the sick and infirm. But we can't afford to keep bombing people around the world uh, in order to maintain hegemonic power and authority globally. Uh, to the point that we were making earlier about homelessness, let's remember something. I mean, in this country, 40-plus percent of food is thrown away. We have enough food to feed every man, woman, and child and make them obese. Uh, we produce more than any nation has ever produced in the history of Earth. We have enough housing for every man, woman, and child to live comfortably, not just to have a shack or a shanty or a tent, but to live in some prime oceanfront real estate if we really wanted to. We just choose not to. These are the policy decisions of America. These are the things that are done in our names as taxpayers, as American citizens. So when we go around the world, we are flat or waving the flag. And sometimes people have uh, negative reactions to such. We need to understand that this is the imagery that's being put out worldwide. This is the uh, the, the non-Disney uh, branding of America that they see. And Paul Whelan, I, I think we need to, uh, one thing we do know about Brittany Grinder was she's a completely innocent woman who uh, uh, was uh, falsely accused of drug smuggling uh, for having residue in a bag. I think we can all agree she does not deserve prison. I don't know anything about Paul. Uh, the more that comes out, the stranger the story gets. Uh, and from my, the people that I know inside of Russia, the demands for the release of Paul Whelan were far higher. Uh, everything from uh, sanctions relief from the West uh, to the reduction or ending of uh, our arms sales to Ukraine uh, it was a very hefty price tag. So for the people on social media who uh, last week they were athletic directors and HBCU football coaching experts, uh, then the week after that, they're World Cup experts, and now this week they're foreign policy and hostage negotiation experts. You know, pump the brakes a little bit to get the totality of the story uh, and and understand that the, uh, we have to uh, look at all the layers here and not just the headlines of the news to say a marine abandoned.
abandoned and black basketball player rescued. Uh, we have to look a bit deeper into it, exactly what the negotiations were, because we cannot put American sovereignty and national security at risk uh, in order to make some good uh, media hashtags. Because Mark Fancher, absolutely. This is, the narrative is black woman, uh, basketball player, freed. But this upstanding Marine, we didn't know he was dishonorably discharged. I mean, I'm not hating uh, for larceny. We did not know that. We didn't know a lot of things. And, but he's been able to he's been able to recover. I mean, many people, you know, get, you know, these marks on their records and they are not able to recover. But he's he's able to do that. That's fine. But I just but the corporate media are not giving us these pieces. I'm wondering if it would make a, a real difference, because it seems like some people just want to hate Brittany Griner for various and sundry reasons. And you all need to leave that child alone. You know, in fact, everybody who met her. In the in the prison in the prisoner transfer were ex- absolutely impressed with her. They said her humility, her kindness, the fact that she went on the plane and greeted everybody who was involved in getting her home. Have you seen her wife? The grace and dignity that she has exhibited. No, this, these these are these are fine human beings, fine human beings, and so Mark Fancher. I mean, the narrative. Is, is running ca- counter to the substance of, I think, of what we're seeing here. I mean, I, I, I want everybody to be home with their families. But there's something else. It seems like there's something else going on here. But, you know, the media are going on down the street with this story that it's a basketball player and a veteran. And that's not exactly what happened here. Yeah, that that's the great crime of it. And it, the, the, the corporate... The corporate establishment generally, but particularly the corporate media, lies all the time. Uh, And, you know, the great crime of it is that uh, as a consequence, uh, so many people who consume this garbage that they put out, uh, put out are, are duped. Uh, you know, they're, they're persuaded to accept uh, a reality uh, or to believe that reality, uh, you know, is, is, really something that's different from what they're hearing, um, you know, from, from the media. And so what we've got is this narrative that they've put out. And, you know, just how, how would most people feel if ultimately it's determined uh, and established that Paul Whelan really is a CIA agent? And uh, not only that, maybe not necessarily an agent, but an operative or someone who has very shady kinds of, uh, you know, things in his past, uh, engages in all kinds of shady activities, and was just functioning uh, as someone who was who was carrying out tasks for uh, U.S. espionage and U.S. intelligence. Uh, how would we feel then in making the kind of comparisons that we're making uh, now between him and Brittany Griner? Uh, you know, we really have to be careful about what we hear through the media and what's going on. And we have to be careful generally about how this entire conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine, the U.S. involvement in all of this, is portrayed and communicated to us. You know, while we're carrying on and we're uh, all upset and we're pointing fingers at Russia uh, for having detained uh, not just Brittany Griner, but, but Paul Whelan, um, At the same time, we're forgetting uh, the many innocent, uh, completely innocent Africans in Ukraine who were being held captive uh, when the war first broke out. 
uh, everybody was trying to leave the country, and the Africans were told, get to the back of the line. You can't leave. Uh, you know, they were in other, in other ways uh, humiliated. Uh, they were in other ways made to uh, feel that they were somehow uh, less than uh, the white Ukrainians who were trying to exit the country. They were being held captive, and there was very little outcry, very little concern about these people. But yet, uh, the U.S. wants to point at Russia and say that they are, they are uh, you know, somehow the evil actor without looking at Ukraine and, and, and you know, in, at the same time encouraging the country, our country, uh, to say that we, we should embrace them as noble. Uh, as waging this noble struggle, this noble resistance against uh, Russian expansion. Uh, we have to be really, really careful uh, about mm-hmm. the narrative that we get, uh, because very often the reality, the details, contradict uh, what we're being told. That's what I'm seeing. David from San Francisco. David, what's on your mind? Oh, thanks, uh, Santitic and uh, Grist. You know, what I was interested in was more the corporate spying angle of this. Um, mm. that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the CIA anymore. Uh, it's, um, you know, if oligarchs are really the super rich of Russia and that they've got corporate um, development, let's say, and that the various corporations of America have got uh, their developments, uh, have you know, who's paying this guy to, to go over there and steal corporate secrets? And then to, of course, send the Marines in uh, or to create a foreign policy issue out of really just corporate spying. So I, I'm just kind of looking at it that way. Now, look, I think that's a heck of a way to watch it. I mean, the thing is, David, we're not looking at any of it. You know, I think that's what's... It's, it's, that's a little, it's more than a little distressing to me uh, because we have an opportunity to, to cool temperatures instead of instead what we're doing is inflaming. You know, clearly with this negotiation that took place, there is some kind of portal for peace here. Just it might be minuscule, but it's there. But we're still trying to keep Robert Batilla. We're still trying to beat the drums of war and we're not going to win. I mean, you cannot, you have to negotiate your way into a peace anyway. But we cannot win uh, with death, Robert. It seems like that's been a theme throughout the show today. Well, well at the end of the day, remember, this is still all being uh, pushed by the quote-unquote international rules-based order. Uh, these are the Western powers who are more than willing not just to uh, continue to have war worldwide uh, to maintain their hegemonic authority they've had for the last, you know, half a millennia, uh, but are willing to sacrifice half the globe. The people who are fighting this war on the front lines, I know we talk a lot about Zelensky and Putin, uh, but the Russians are conscripting uh, ethnic Chechens and sending them to the front lines. They are uh, bringing units all the way from uh, from Siberia to fight on the front lines. Mongolians are fighting on the front lines. There was almost a revolt in Russia uh, last month after Putin announced he could, uh, the partial mobilization because it was drawing so heavily from ethnic populations. So it's not the, the uh, ethnic Russians who are fighting this war in Ukraine and dying by the tens of thousands. There's uh, other minority groups who are there within the Russian Federation 
who have little to no interest uh, what, in what is going on in the uh, uh, in the southeast of the country, uh, the southwest of the country. Uh, we've seen units all the way from Vladivostok. Uh, be, uh, their battalions being deployed in uh, in Zaporizhia and even in uh, Bakhmut. Uh, if, if, if you look at a map, uh, Vladivostok is right by North Korea. So that's where they're bringing troops from. If you look on the Ukrainian side of the fight, uh, these aren't just all ethnic Ukrainians who are fighting to defend their homelands. These are, in many cases, uh, they're emptying out the prisons. They are taking uh, people who are being held there for immigration detention or migrants and putting them directly on the front lines and being slaughtered by these people. So, so when we talk about this war, when we talk about the, this prisoner swap, uh, we tend in the West to see this at a very high level, almost as if it's a video game uh, that is a, a televised war. So it's drones and lights and the, uh, the maps and moving in color. But in reality, we're seeing uh, minorities in both of these countries being killed by the tens of thousands. And Mr. Whelan, if he was indeed operating on uh, the agent for espionage, either for U.S. government or for war other powers, uh, well, then we need to have a full accounting of that as the American people before we decide uh, what exactly American blood and treasure will be sacrificed for him. Uh, of course, he's an innocent individual. I hope that he is brought home. Uh, but it, uh, I think that America cannot get into the place of negotiating uh, for every criminal world that uh, is in custody worldwide. Because it, you, know, you put every American in danger. If the Chinese want to get their uh, agents back from America, no, they can just kidnap an American celebrity or detain them. Why wouldn't they do that? The Iranians, who still have people who are in custody by the Americans, they can kidnap LeBron James or Taylor Swift to get them back. Why wouldn't they? Uh, if you look at the Guantanamo detainees, why, if someone is uh, traveling overseas, why wouldn't you, you know, kidnap the Dixie Chicks or Elton John or something who can get that from Al-Qaeda? <laughs> Uh, 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 detainees. That's the precedent that you set if you start negotiating for these things. So we need to take these issues very seriously or else we're going to be putting an international auction block on the heads of every uh, prominent American if they believe that's what it will take to get their people back. And indeed, we don't need any help. We don't need any help. What we need to do is figure out a way, Attorney Mark Fancher, Attorney Daryl Jones, uh, Attorney Robert Patillo, we have to figure out a way to get to peace. It's just, it, it is, we are but a thought away from peace. You know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's already, peace is already existing there. We're the ones who are bad-minded. So think about that today, everybody. Think about free suicide, free euthanasia, putting people down because they don't have housing. Think about that today when you really consider putting food, not bombs, under your Christmas tree. Foodnotbombs.net. Think about that. Think about a government. I think about a value system more than that. Uh, because they're part of the Commonwealth. That's Great Britain. And we're connected. Think about uh, people who would say that it's okay for people to kill themselves if they lose hope. If they have no place to stay. If they have no home. It's too expensive to treat you in the hospital. Are you serious? Oh, I'm so glad my parents didn't turn any of us down. So glad. My mama said we couldn't afford any of you when we had each of you. Who would you want me to put back? 